Life Audio. Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friends, my partners in radio, Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. Boys, we are rapidly approaching Indie Live. A couple weeks, September 24, rapidly approaching the end of this program as a thing. So, Piper, fans are going to want to join us in Indie for that. Uh, VIP tickets have sold out. Um, I'm happy to report that uh, our block of VIP tickets that include the t-shirts are sold out, but there's still a chance to be in the room, still a chance to get a whole bunch of other swag and be a part of a really spectacular night. Piper, how do they do that? Yeah, the easiest way to do that is to go to thehappyrant.com, hit the tab that says live show, uh, and you can see all the details there. Uh, Tickets are $35.00. Uh, we'll have some giveaways from sponsors. We will have, you know, refreshments per usual. We will do three live episodes, including one that is entirely interaction with our attendees, which are our favorite shows to do. Uh, it'll be the evening of September 24th, 7 p.m. until until whenever the fun ends. I don't really know sure. that we need to put a stop date on this unless the church, you know, kicks us out. But, you know, we have a good partnership with them, so I don't think they'll do that. And uh, it should be a great time. And then uh, you can drag your tired, well-laughed behinds over to the Gospel Coalition <laughs> the next day and, you know. Get Where theolog- you will not be get- laughing for yeah. three days. You won't yeah. laugh at all, but there will probably be some, you know, good theological stuff going on over there. That's right. That's right. Shout out to those guys. They do a nice job. But we will do a nice job. We'll do it in Indianapolis at Soma Church and Day Spa in Broad Ripple. And uh, we couldn't be more excited for this. And boys, while we're promoing, we should tell people where they can hear us after the Happy Rant wraps. Uh, they can catch me on two podcasts. One is called Cluck, and the other is called the Gut Check Podcast. Uh, Big R, they can catch you on your your new old thing with uh, at Jared C. Correct? Is that is that live yet? Is it back back up and subscribe? No, not not back up yet. Um, but it's going to be a, our for our uh, our initial. Season's going to re-record it, I believe, sometime in the fall. So probably look to the new year. And then I have an as yet uh, sort of, uh, you know, uh, you know, talked about podcast. It's also going to come out sometime around the new year as well. So, All right. All right. Pipe, you got anything to promo? Um, I will be working with some of the folks from our church on a podcast called The Sidebar. It's one that we do that's sort of additional teaching and, and kind of highlighting ministry stuff going on over there. So the Emmanuel Sidebar podcast. So probably some of that throughout later in the fall and into the new year. And then actually just started conversations with, there's a, there's a small Christian radio network that I've been working with their staff and their team for a couple years now and potentially launching some podcasts with them in the new year. But it is in the early stages of, uh, of planning. So it doesn't have a name, doesn't have, yeah. you know, doesn't have a total framework, but it's going to be, you know, like shorter eight episode season kind of things is the plan. There you go. And yeah. so, yeah, listeners keep an eye out on social media feeds and whatever on, uh, on stuff coming in. What is next year? 2024. Is that right? Jeez. Yeah. I haven't, I've barely gotten used to 2023 existing. So yeah, yeah. coming in 2024. Well, and we know how lucrative that can be based on the experience that we're having right now. And speaking of that, we need to go to an ad break. On the other side of it, we're going to talk about 
uh, career and life transition advice for college grads. So in addition to coming to Indie Live and subscribing to all of our podcasts, what other life advice can we give them? We'll get to that right after this quick break. Okay, boys, we're back. Um, career and life transition advice for college grads. This is apropos... Uh, Gosh, sorry, I didn't silence my phone, and that's my college student calling me right now, so I'm going <laughs> to silence that. I'll text him and tell him I'm on the radio. Um, Pipe, what career and life advice do you have for college grads? Yeah, this uh, this came to mind because I feel like four or five times in the last week, I've, I've had either conversations with or about guys who are who graduated in May and are just trying to figure out what's next or have moved into a career and are completely kind of at a loss because they moved from the the college bubble of yeah. living with all their friends and, and kind of having everything built in for them to, you know, living in an apartment by themselves and being an engineer or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and what the thing that comes to mind in all these conversations is that they feel the distinct pressure to be a fully formed career person and adult mm. like six months out of college or four months out of college. Yeah. And, uh, so the thing that, the thing that I, I want to, I wish I could relay this to them is the like, take a deep breath. Whatever you're mm -hmm. doing right now is very unlikely to be the thing you're doing when you're 28 or 38 right. or 48. Right. So if you just sort of handle it well, you know, just learn some responsibility and then you'll yeah. probably switch jobs. You don't even have to like this job. Just do it well. And, uh, and, yeah. and and then you'll move on at some point and you'll be okay. Right, right. Yeah, no, that's good. And I think to your point, I, I see that too on my end. So I'm a college professor if you're new to the program. And if you're new to the program, I'm sorry. We're about to be done with the whole thing. But, but there um, are like 460 episodes you can go back and listen to if you're, <laughs> that is if you're true. sort of insane. Something to do. Um, yeah, I, I think... College students now, there's two things going on that I see. One, you know, we do our level best to prepare them, especially in my department to and in our school, to, to go and have job skills that they can trade in marketplace that actually exist, marketplaces that actually exist. So I think we do a good job of preparing them for that. But the kind of emotional journey of leaving college and leaving you know, this kind of cloistered environment where everything's sort of delivered to you on a platter, you know, right down to, you know, th three hots and a cot, you know, you've, you've got a place to sleep, you've got, you know, all the food you can, you can handle and all the activities kind of delivered up to you. You know, then we release them into this world where it's like, hey, congrats on your first job. You have five paid days off for the year, <laughs> you know, and you have to be in at 8 a.m. And it's it's a shock to them. And, you know, naturally they hate it. And I think we do a pretty bad job of preparing them for that. Um, and add to that the fact that I think I think this generation, they expect a lot more than we did, you know, and we've talked about this dynamic before. It was kind of exciting to move out and graduate from college and go get a grimy apartment and just grind it out for a few years. But I think this generation, you know, they want to graduate, get the high paying job, get the house in the suburbs, you know, buy a couple of rental properties and become a Christian slumlord. Like they want all the stuff their parents have just immediately. And, and it, it really doesn't work that way. Um, 
and there's more that I could say about the emotional side of it, but big R what, what, what kind of advice or what are you mm. seeing out there? Yeah, gosh, the first thing that came to mind, um, was probably, um, probably just, you know, courage. I think, yeah. um, don't, you know, it, you know, you're going to have, um, it's life is hard yeah, and you're going to, you're stepping out into the vast unknown, like we all do, but don't, yeah. don't let the fear of what you can't know prevent you from taking like really good, courageous steps forward. Try yeah. some things. You know, yeah. I mean, God is God is sovereign to the, the point where if, if you make a right turn that should have been a left turn, he'll use that right turn to eventually turn you left up the road somewhere, you know, to get you yeah. to where you need to go. So, again, it's not just trusting the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's certainly not even trusting in yourself. It's just right. so you are a person of faith mm-hmm. and be a person of courage, too. And, and just take some good steps and be OK with stumbling, like Piper yeah. said, fi- finding your way. Um, yeah. making some ridiculous decisions because it's all part of how you're going to gain wisdom, um, yeah. to make the, the right decisions, uh, you know, later in life when you've, when you've, uh, when you have the opportunity. So I think courage is a big one because there can be that sense of like, man, I'm so afraid of, of making the wrong move, making a mistake, doing something that I can't walk back from. And it's like, man, that's, that's, that's probably highly unlikely at 22 years old, you know, yeah. um, yeah. unless you commit a crime. Uh, I think you'll be, I think you'll be okay. You know? Yeah. That's a really good word. And you know, there's a, there's a lot that's encompassed in courage, you know, and getting up, like dragging yourself out of bed to go to a job that you've realized you don't like, you know, there's some courage in that or, you know, dealing with different kinds of coworkers or dealing with some circumstance that hasn't gone your way in a relationship or whatever. And, you know, all of those kind of fall under that umbrella of courage. And I think by way of advice, um, you know, throw yourself into the life of the local church. You know, there's, there's kind of this feeling of, you know, among some college students or just some people that God has the perfect thing for me somewhere. And, you know, yeah. if I can just if I can just figure out what city I'm supposed to be in or what job I'm supposed to take. And I think by and large, it doesn't matter. You know, the the, the more I've kind of wandered through these things myself slash seen other people wander through them. You know, I think the Lord really wants me tender hearted and repenting a lot and yeah, um, it's good word, enjo- it, enjoying fellowship with you know, believers in the body, wherever I'm at. And I could do that, you know, almost anywhere. So that's a good um, word, man. Yeah. yeah. Just, just go, just be a part of it and enjoy the local church serve eventually, but you don't have to like start a ministry or run something immediately. Like just go and be fed by it. And, well, um, I love I mean, it. When, yeah. When people do that in our, in our church. Yeah. I complete, I completely agree with what you just said, but it reminds me of uh, a conversation I actually had, I had yesterday with the guy he's 20, you know, he's 22, 23 recently yeah. graduated from college, you know, working full time and sort of just an entry level job somewhere. So he's not overly enthusiastic about his career and, uh, is, it feels very, um, very drawn to vocational ministry. Mm-hmm. And he he seems to be approaching it wisely because he looks around and he says, I see a lot of other guys in their early 20s trying to jump into the pastorate. He said, I, yeah. I wouldn't want to be pastored by me. So I <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe that's not the right route. What is the right route? 
Mm-hmm. But what I caught in talking to him, so he's he he doesn't go to our church. He goes to a different church. Real involved, you know. He's helping lead a young adult small group and volunteering, and just like you said, just mm-hmm. involved in the life of the church. Yeah. But there's this sense of, and and maybe this is I don't know if it's particular to this generation or just particular to youth. I think it might just mm-hmm. be particular to youth because I I think I was the same way. A sense of uh, there there's not a sense of sort of doing the necessary thing right now to earn the right to, mm. you know, be called as an elder, for example, you know? Yeah. Cause you know, I told him, I said, look, if you faithfully do this for 10 years, mm-hmm. I said in, in 10 years time, you might be an elder and you'll still be young. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you you'll will be, be 31, 30, you will be you 32 know? years old. Right. And, 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 you know, and who has somebody who has served in a church for 10 years, you know, you yeah. got 10 years of, of experience and 10 years of faithfulness and 10 years of reputation. And, and so there's that sense of like, I have to arrive right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's true in careers too. You know, you talked about this generation wanting to sort of have what their parents have. I remember wanting those same things and resenting the like $13 an hour full-time job, which again, in, in 2005, $13 an hour was a lot better than it is now, but right. I mean, it, it, but it was barely livable. You know, yeah. it was basically basically just above poverty wages, sure. and uh, and kind of resenting the fact that you have to start at the bottom somewhere. Yeah, Pipe, yeah. that um, that's a good point. That makes me think of um, you know, I remember being that age, and I think I think another word, a good word for in terms of encouragement and advice is just patience. But I remember, um, I, I don't know if you guys felt this way. I, I remember feeling. Um, now, I'm not even trying to be funny right now, but I remember yeah. I was 23 and I remember feeling incredibly old. Mm. And I remember thinking, um, you know, that, that college, you know, sort of that college window is over. Um, man, high school is five years in the past. Oh, yeah. And, you know, at, at that age, a year is a long time. You know, at our age, mm-hmm. a year goes by in about a week and a half now. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, at, but at that age, you're still kind of running off of that youthful experience with age where is that, you know, it, it's, it tends to go slower because of how much hope you still have and how many things you're still anticipating to happen, mm-hmm. which makes time kind of slow down. And yeah. so I remember 23 just thinking like, oh my gosh, you know, what do I have to show for the last five years? I'm way out of high school. I see all of my friends are moving on in specific ways that I wish I was moving on in, or, you know, I'm jealous mm-hmm. of my friend's career. Um, I'm jealous of my friend's relationship that they have. And there was just like this uh, impatience to want to get to a place that God had not brought me to yet. Right. And, right. Um, and I think um, that's, a, that's something we can say to somebody, but that's something that they're going to have to work out and experience because I think that's a, that's a real thing for that yeah. age. No, that's really good. And let's take a break. And then on the other side of it, I want to say a couple things about that. We'll be right back. Yeah, that's really good, baby. And I think I I relate to you on the idea of like I remember in my early 20s just feeling really old. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm ready for adulthood. You know, I'm ready for this, but at the same ta- at the same time I was so like spiritually immature that I had no concept of if I'm just patient and faithful, God will bring me the right things. Mm-hmm. Um, which he totally did. But in, in my own mind, I had my own like clock as to how things should be happening. And I just remember like, 
really maniacally trying to make things happen, you know, mm-hmm. and, and some of that's good, right? Some of that's motivation, but it, at the end of the day, I probably should have, you know, been more interested in faithfully waiting on the Lord and yeah, working hard, pushing myself, trying to get better, but you know, not having this maniacal sense of, oh my gosh, I'm 23. Like, where's my book deal? You know, <laughs> and like just being a little bit more patient. Nobody, nobody really taught me patience. So I, I think there are some spiritual lessons, how to, how to grieve well, how to be patient that, you know, we would do well as older guys now and as parents yeah, to teach, yeah. to teach those well, things to the generation that's coming up, you know? And, and I think if we're going to do that well, so people tried to teach me patience and there was two problems mm. with that. One is I wasn't about to hear it. That's my yeah. own youthful arrogance. And the second was yeah. they did a bad job because mm. basically patience was wait your turn. Mm. Well, wait yeah. your turn yeah. implies that I'm ready right now, but there's other people in front of me in line. Yeah. And so, well, why can't I just jump in front of them if I think I'm smarter <laughs> than they are? Or I think I'm better than they right. are, which I absolutely did. Yeah. And as opposed to patience being, you're not ready yet. Yeah. Like well, somebody needs to look a 23 year old in the face and go, you're not there yet. That doesn't yeah. mean you can't get there. It doesn't mean you don't have all the raw materials to, to be great at, you know, whether yes. that's professional or creative or uh, yeah. in, in ministry or whatever. But there are things that need to happen over time. And that can only happen over time. Like you can't, you can't earn okay. maturity. You have yeah. to grow into yeah. it. And so well, that's not yeah. that's not a thing that any 23-year-old wants to hear. But if it's mm-hmm. said well, then it, it's not an insult and it's yeah. not a wait your turn because there's older people in front of you. This isn't really about yeah. age. It's about readiness. Okay. I've, well, I, think, I have something. I think, oh, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead, baby. Go ahead. Well, it, it, uh, well I want you to hit your point, T, but I was, yeah, yeah. I was thinking as a way, and we can do this after your point, but just as a way to shift this into um, – you know, I can tell you sort of the way that my parents responded to my early adulthood and how they mm. encouraged me, how they didn't encourage me, like the things yeah. that they did, things that they encouraged me in, the things that they neglected to encourage me. And again, not to bash yeah. them or anything. They, they didn't, sure. you know, they didn't do the worst job. But I think a lot of this, too, is it's really based on how your parents are, you know, kind of training you and preparing mm. you for that time. Yeah. And I mean, that's going to. I mean, I mean, that is going to deeply influence how you approach these things for sure. So I yeah. think that could be that could be a fun p- next part of the combo. Oh, for sure. And that actually that actually dovetails perfectly with what I wanted to say, which is I agree with everything that Pipe said. But like from the perspective of being in the college business in 2023, we almost can't say those things. Right. Because the kind of students we're getting, nobody's saying it to them. Um, in the sense that, you know, college is so much now about customer service. You can't really say to anybody, you're not ready yet. You know what I mean? Because it's all about, oh my gosh, you are ready. You're so fabulous. You know, and like these, these kids have been, their experiences have been really curated, you know, and it's like, what do you mean I'm not ready for a job at 19? I learned the cello when I was four and I, <laughs> you know, took my first missions trip when I was 11 and I clepped out of college algebra at age 12. And like these kids think they're amazing because they've, they've kind of been trained to think that they're amazing. And look, I mean, they're all created in God's image and we, we want great things for them. But there's, I don't know, there's something about being on this side of it where you just go, 
fundamentally you're not ready for the job market at age 19 despite having graduated college at age 19 or whatever is, you know is there a way Which, to tell them by telling them what's coming so rather than you saying yeah. you're not ready going here's what you're going to find you're going to go out yeah. there and think that you are like you're, you're just the the absolute best person in mm-hmm. the world and you're going to get turned down for 18 jobs. You're going to get started as like a barely paid intern or, or, or whatever those things are. Yeah. And be, the problem, the problem is, I mean, I guess you can tell them that and they're just going to be like, well, that's unfair. Yeah. Like, well, mm-hmm. actually that's remarkably fair. It's like the definition of fair, <laughs> right. but, uh, but, but can you tell them what's coming with a sense of like, so, so prepare yourself to, to absorb this. Rather than you yeah. saying you're not ready, I would start well, you as an intern. Well, that's a great question. And you, you guys can speak to this too as men of the cloth. But I think, Pipe, there's a great deal of discipleship in that moment in the sense that by God's grace and Lord willing, you know, by the time they come to the end of their college journey or close to it with me, we've developed such a friendship or trust level that I can say some of those things. And say, yeah, just look, I I know this is what you want, but this might be what you encounter, you know? And, and if you do encounter that, don't let it be devastating. Don't let it be a referendum on the rest of your career. Like, brighter days are ahead. And some of the coolest conversations I get to have are with my former students who are in, like, year one or year two of their jobs and are like, oh, my gosh, cluck. <laughs> this is not what I hoped it would be. And I'm like... That's okay. Like you're just having the experience that literally everyone else has had, you know. And I think it, so so much of the parent experience in Christendom in 2023 is this really interesting like wish fulfillment exercise where mom and dad and, and you guys know this cuz you've been parents and I have too. You completely have rose-colored glasses on when it comes to your kid. You're like, my kid is special. He's going to do something amazing, you know. And and so we have all these industries that are catering to parents feeling that way, and all these little like, I don't know, teen-packed leadership schools that create these little arrogant monsters, you know. And but that's all like fan service for the parents, you know. And and so as a result, nobody's really seeing the playing field for what it actually is. And I think that's a problem, you know, and, and I think it, parents need to be the first wave of, Hey, of course, we're going to, we're going to shoot for our dreams and dream big and go for stuff. But you know, it's, it's tough out there and you're, you're going to experience people sin natures in the world at a deep level. And, you know, we'll walk through it together. That kind of mm. discipleship thing, you know? Yeah. It's good, man. Yeah. Um, Boys, let's take a break. And then, yeah, on the other side of it, we'll wrap by what you set up, Big R, talking about how our parents kind of tried to prepare us for it. We'll do that after this quick break. All right, boys, we're back. Um, baby, you you had mentioned some things yeah. that your folks, you know, did for you or didn't do for you. Uh, talk about that some more. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I've... I've thought a lot about this over the years, just based on my own experience and then, you know, kind of learning the experience of others. But, you know, my parents were very, um, they were very hands off, you know, when it came to 
hey, Ronnie, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? And my dad was one of these old school guys that was, um, you know, deathly afraid of forcing me to do something and being kind of a push dad and mm. kind of putting me in a situation that I didn't really want to be in. So I think what he did was he went too far the other way. And mm -hmm. so that, that produced a certain something in me that produced sort of an outsized uh, ambition to sort of probably mm. get his approval on one mm. level and you know work too hard in a bunch of different areas so that I could succeed because I just wasn't given direction. Like I, you know, it's interesting for me to think about, and this is true. This is not an exaggeration, but there was n my parents at no point ever sat down with me and said, Hey, let's talk about what you want to do in your life and figure out some steps and how you might want to get there. Like that was literally yeah. never, never a conversation that ever happened. It was yeah. just, you need to figure out what you want to do. And mm -hmm. I don't know, go, go do it kind of a thing. It was, so it was kind of like, so in some ways, um, you know, relating this to ministry, I've had, I've, you know, I've served with guys that are very micromanagey, right? They're just into yeah. everything you're doing and you feel just suffocated. I've mm -hmm. also worked with what I call macro managers where guys, mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're so distant. And on mm -hmm. one hand they think, Hey, but I'm giving you all this space. Yeah. And man, you're not, you're, I'm, you're not, you're not, I'm not suffocating you. You have freedom right. to do what you want. But that also creates a dynamic where it's like, but I don't, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. I don't know if you're happy. And mm. I got to hear from you a little bit more than that because I'm kind of, I'm, I'm paranoid and I might sure. be going down a path that isn't, isn't great. I, but I just yeah. don't know because you're, you're, you're not, you're not helping me sort of see the light through some of these things. And that was definitely the case with, uh, with my parents, but it has, it has deeply affected literally my entire life in the way that I approach mm. things and in the way that I need a particular level of affirmation from people mm. or I'm working towards that affirmation. And um, so it's, it's been a whole thing that I've had to process and um, I've even worked out some of it in counseling. So it's, it's been a deep yeah. thing when you, when you're trying to figure out what to do at that age and you don't really feel like you have somebody that is literally taking enough interest to say, Hey, well, let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a little bit of my story, right there with that. Yeah. yeah. No, that's good, and I, I relate to a lot of that. And I don't know, pipe, if it's generational. Like, I don't know if our parents' generation just didn't, if there was nobody telling them to have those talks with us. But yeah, I, I would say a big R. My experience was was pretty similar. Like right down to, I've got to get the approval. Like whatever I have to do to get it, I'm doing it. And. uh yeah, like like really similar. And I don't mm -hmm. remember I mean, I remember having talks with my parents about like where I should go to college or whatever. Um but there there wasn't a lot of talk about what I what I should do. You know, the the message was very much like, you know, get a get a secure job so you mm -hmm. can provide, you know, mm -hmm. and, and like get something stable. And you know, on one on one hand, that freelance was freelance really, writer. It is, yeah, freelance writer. It is. <laughs> Hold my coffee while I go do the most unwise thing imaginable. But uh, yeah, no, that was hard for them. You know, it was it was really hard for them, and I, I get it. I understand why. Pipe, what what kind of approach did your folks take toward the whole thing? Man, it, it in some ways really similar to y'all, and I think it is a generational thing. But they approached it much more uh theologically great surprise mm -hmm. to everyone i know um like my dad and my mom were only interested as far as i can tell in character 
mm-hmm. what you know what, what was i a uh was i a good christian would i grow up into a good christian man sure. um i don't remember having any conversations with them about career direction hmm. <clears throat> and i not initiated by me or them like that's a two-way street mm-hmm. i just i did not see them as the ones to go to about this because like in my mind my mom you know i forgot that my mom had had worked quite a few jobs before mm-hmm. moving home to to raise a bunch of kids um and then my dad like my dad's a pastor that's not a professional in my mind at least it wasn't yeah. as a kid i'm like uh, he thinks all the time. That's his job. Um, right. And then talks on Sundays. And uh, and so I just like it never crossed my mind to ask them professional advice. Yeah. Um, the, the and there's, you know, strengths and weaknesses to this because they were they were very formative for me in terms of priorities, character priorities, um, mm-hmm. which which ultimately are, are are more important than how you make your money. Yeah. But also I didn't have any idea how to make money or or what to do. But they also taught I me mean, in, in the midst of all that part of character was being responsible, doing what's put in front of you. So like I learned a work ethic quickly. So I was able to make my way in the world simply by going, well, this is the job that I have to do. I'm yeah. I'm going to do I'm going to be good at it. Um Yeah. But I was probably I mean I was well into my 20s, close to 30 before I wrap my head around some of the basic concepts of just sort of what are the things that I love to do and what are the things that I have aptitude for and where do they intersect? Mm. You know, just those sort of things that, that are you, I mean, I'm trying to have those conversations with my, with my daughters. Now one of them's a senior in high school, not to make career decisions, but just to inform, well, what do you want to study? Mm-hmm. What, what might you be interested in? You know? And yeah. mm-hmm. she, my daughter's a people person more than she is like a an, a mathematical mind or something like that. And so that's a little bit trickier because people skills work in all jobs, but they don't actually point you to a particular job. Yeah. So it's, it's, I had some really helpful formative pieces and then some massive gaps in terms yeah. of, in terms of basic direction. And so I, I kind of just had to figure it out by myself and, uh, and a lot of it was just sort of like, well, what's interesting to me? Can I make money in that? And so I was like, well, I like books. Yeah. And I have a college degree. And so I went into publishing for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and it, you know, and it was only several years into that, maybe probably eight years into that, that I started to realize, oh, there are things that I, that I really enjoy that I'm, that I'm good at, that I'm drawn to that don't act that this job doesn't actually provide. And yeah. that was sort of the, the tipping point for me to probably where the Lord started to, to move me towards a place of that's when I started publishing. That's when I started speaking more and eventually moved into ministry. But that was, you know, there's a several year runway. Yeah. yeah. Don't you think that in all of this, there's an undercurrent of, I don't know, at 21, 22, 23, you're just at a very deep level, not who you're going to be. You know what I mean? Like at 21, I didn't know enough about myself to know what I actually wanted. You know, like writing was a, it was kind of a thing on the horizon that I knew I wanted. I wanted it in my life at some level, but I didn't know what that was going to look like from a job standpoint. And in fact, I really needed to try 
a bunch of different things to kind of start to triage what I didn't want. You know what I mean? And, and, and start to take inventory of, all right, what are the gifts that the Lord's actually given me and how, how can I maybe use those to provide for my family or, or like serve the Lord, you know, which it took me a shamefully long time to begin to think about that. But, um, but those are, those are thoughts that you start to have, you know, after you get down the road a little bit, you know, and, and after you become who you're going to be and, I mean, in the case of young men, like physiologically, we're not who we're going to be. <laughs> like our yeah, brains mentally, are not what they're yeah. going to become, you know, and it's a good thing, right? So, yeah, there's a reason employers aren't giving us the keys to, I don't know, important things at 21. Um, but I think, but, again, to what you're saying, Ted, even the question, you know, I pose the question like sort of what, what are you good at and what do you enjoy? Mm-hmm. Those questions need to be asked, but also held really loosely at yeah, at 22. Yeah. Yeah. What are you good at? Uh, a, you're going to be really self-delusional. So you're going to think you're good at yeah. stuff you're not. And and B, yeah. you don't have enough experiences to know if you will be good at something. You know, So yeah. it, it, you might think you're a great writer when in fact you're not. But what you don't realize is you actually have a real skill uh, talking with people, uh, listening to people. Yeah. So maybe maybe counseling, maybe journalism, maybe... Yeah. You know, it's something in the sales field where, where where it's a human thing, but you have you haven't done any of those things. Yeah. So you don't actually have any idea. You don't have the maturity to even pay attention to other people. So th- there really is an aspect of surveying the field, but you have to be f- far enough down the road to have interacted with a field, a yeah. professional field, a ministerial field, just a, a, a broader variety of people outside of your, your college experience. If all you know yeah. are professors and college students, your experience is, is really limited. And so you have to get out in the field and go, oh, I didn't even know that like corporate law existed. I didn't know that was a thing. Maybe that's the thing I'm interested in. I didn't know that uh, yeah. medical sales was a thing or whatever. Like just yeah. the whole fields that, that, why would they have ever crossed your radar? Well, and I think you, you, you're hitting on something really important. Aspirationally, a college curriculum should reveal some of those things. Right. So if you come study journalism at Union with me, for example, you know, we're going to make a whole bunch of product together, which is really fun. There's going to be a whole bunch of joy in it. You're going to get all these reps to sort of try it on, you know, and at the end you might go, I'm really good at writing features, but I hate writing news or I'm really not a great writer at all, but I love doing podcasts or whatever and and you're going to come to the end with this menu of things that you're able to to self scout thyself on you know and you're able to kind of self evaluate what am i good at what what brings me joy in this you know and what just feels like a grind and then hopefully get you gradations closer to picking a career but i think one of the dangers in academia or higher ed or just even some of these experiences that kids can you know, sign up for and pay for is that they're so they're they're so kind of customer service oriented that you never get anyone shooting straight with you about what it is that you maybe can or can't do. And I think that's where it gets dangerous. Yeah, I I think the last piece of it, and we've talked about this over and over again in various aspects mm-hmm. on this show, is most careers that people end up in are not what they aspired to do. Yeah. You know, Very true. like if, if, if you end up working in accounting at a large health insurance firm, you probably can take care of a family, buy a home. Like it's a good job. 
Oh, yeah. And utterly unexciting to a 22-year-old. You yeah, know, you didn't uh, dream about that as a kid. Yeah, you just... It, Showing up to the office with your lanyard and your blue button down and whatever, like that's mm-hmm. not your dream. Mm-hmm. But it's a good job that you can do good work in alongside people who you can have meaningful relationships with and so forth. So there's just yeah. a fair amount of like not getting the aspirations knocked off of you, but just realizing cause sort of human li- human limitations of mm-hmm. I can only do one thing at a time. And yeah. so I, I just have to be faithful at the thing that, that is in front of me. And if that is accounting at a health insurance firm, cool. If it's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if it's making music, cool. But, you know, with everyone, e- each one of those things pr- provides different opportunities, different stabilities, et cetera. But yeah. y- just the realization that y- you probably have to put aspirations to rest at some point yeah. and, and make the most of what you have been given. Yeah, that's good. Um, baby, anything more to add? Oh man, I, th- I think we said it. I think we should uh, let's let's uh, let's put a, put a bow on Pipe's last sentence there. I love it. Yeah, th- let's let's do that. Let's uh, let's say that we have done what we always do, boys, and that we've wandered to and fro throughout this topic. And until next time. We want to take a moment to thank the team at Life Audio for partnering with us on this podcast. Be sure to go to lifeaudio.com and take a look at the other podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Two weeks old in an iron lung, which is, you know, like a sealed oxygen unit, um, fighting for my life. I couldn't couldn't breathe properly, and apparently I didn't make a sound. from the day I was born because my lungs were all messed up. That's Martin Smith of Delirious sharing a personal testimony on The Walk, a podcast for worshipers. Join us weekly to hear songwriters, worship leaders, filmmakers, and other creatives tell stories in the form of a devotional. The Walk can be found on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast platform.